0: Blog Talk Radio. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away.
1: Hello. (laughs) Uh Aha, here
2: we are. Hello. At least it's it's a shiny, bright day.
1: I mean... It's really warm out, actually.
2: Yeah. There's a breeze that adds a little bite. I mean, and it's funny, of course, depends on where you are in Santa Rosa and Sonoma County, but I've gone from Santa Rosa proper to, you know, where I'm at out near, you know, what, Lincoln and, and you know, the wet east side. And east side's a little more chilly than Santa Rosa, but they still have a little bit of a, a weather thing there. So, yeah, but it's nice. It's nice.
1: But, yeah, it is nice.
2: So here is our Ask a Witch segment. So we're going to do yeah. our check-in. Right. And then from there, we will wander through the various questions, giving our our moment of knowledge, and go from there. Yeah, so, <laughs> You know, it's exactly kind of a sense of humor point of reference in terms of how to deal with... Uh, today and and how this week has gone so how has this week gone for you
1: um good question mostly good I suppose um I I don't have like an office (laughs) so um I mean I kind of have an office in the back of the shop but there's so much when I'm at the shop and I work in the reading room I'm constantly like available, so I get interrupted a lot, right, because there's other mm-hmm. people there, and they have questions, or want to show me, or ask me, or blah, 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 so I tend to not go and be in the office there when I actually have work to do, <laughs> so, and I don't have a home office, so I've sort of taken over the the, the the dining area of my house as my office, which means the dining room table has become my desk, and so, you know, there's all kinds of stuff all over the table right now I'm sitting there right now I've got like I'm working on edits so I've got like Alistair Crowley books out and my calendar and something came in from Amazon and I've got my my money pouch for the shop and some clamps for some reason and uh, a whole basket of essential oils for making products and like five different notes like it's just I just feel like I'm a little bit creating chaos and I you know like it's Good, but a little too much at the moment. I don't know what to do about it. Like, I don't want an office. <laughs> I don't want to go to right. an office, but I also need, I think, a little bit more designated space. I don't know. I don't have a solution, but th- that's that. I just, um, it's been a normal week. Like, editing, editing uh, mostly is what I've been doing this week. I've, I have an ongoing workshop. Um, that 's weekly that um was last night, and that was a lot of fun. We talked about protection magic, so that was that 's always fun and you know things are just fun. I just feel a little bit like in the swirl of chaos um and you know before the show, Elvira had asked me about any weird electronic stuff, and there 's been weird electronic stuff, which is um, out of the ordinary and annoying and frustrating <laughs> um, you know. Like, like, like what happened? So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Nothing exciting to report, which I suppose is a good thing. And I'm going to knock on wood. How are Um, you doing? (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well,
2: my week has been, you know, kind of a a high, low, um, mid range kind of, you know, roller coaster. Um, Thought I was actually going to get, you know, something going on the house. Didn't happen. Kind of set me back a bit emotionally, had to work with that. Um, but you know, that's part of selling thing, your house, whatever mm-hmm. you know it is you've chosen to sell. Um, but what I have noticed, and this is why the electronic question is that obviously, working at Lucky Mojo, we do have um, vintage things that we work with in terms of systems. And so that dynamic has created problems on and off throughout, you know, the whole time that I have been working for them, which is probably 13 or 14 years, somewhere in there. Anyway, so I know that's a long time when you say it that way, but um, it turns out that we've had some phone issues with the, the church side of the world, and it was kind of an awkward thing. It got fixed before I left last week, which I was all excited about, thinking I was going to come back on Monday. It would be wonderful, you know, and that would be all fine. Well, unfortunately, it didn't get fixed because a new problem occurred. Mm. And so that created another problem of, you know, when people were going to have readings or anything like that, it kind of made for interesting dynamics. And an added problem became an issue with the the, um, database. I mean, it wasn't the database itself, but it was keeping the database up and running, and it was, it was um, faltering, and none of us could figure out what to do about it. Cause, cause that. So when I'm on their clock, of course, it presented me with a lot of problems because it took, you know, exorbitant amount of time to take care of things that I was supposed to take care of, and so did everybody else. I'm not saying I was the only one, but, you know, with my personal experience, everybody was frustrated, and mm-hmm. no one knew what was going on. And so I left. My week ends on Wednesday, so I left, leaving everybody kind of like uh, they don't know what the heck is going on. They don't know how they you know, I mean, so they're trying to get that done. And then I come home and I start having, you know, it's it's like I start having problems with my electronics, and it's kind of like the sound doesn't want to be on on my FaceTiming. The sound doesn't want to be on on my Zooming. Um, it was just, it was like glitches. And then I figured out yesterday, finally, how to get through with the problems with my stuff. And I'm just like going, and I asked other people. I actually went to get my hair done, and my hairstylist tells me about all his massive issues with electronics and issues. And I'm like, you know, and I clients client that had said something. And I'm like, i
1: Wow. It's not even Mercury either. retrograde.
2: That's it. I said that. Of course, everybody looked at me and a couple of people said, I don't believe in that. And I'm going, well, whether you do or you don't, this is a massive you know, Mercury retrograde issue that happens when we've had Mercury retrograde. So they kind of looked at me and, and snickered a bit. But um, So I don't know. I mean, it's, and the only thing that I can think of, and this is one of those, like, let's take a positive view is that we are moving into literally, we're in Pisces, we will be moving into Aquarius, and officially the way that I guess a lot of the astrologers are looking at it, and I don't know how many of them, I know one in particular talking about this, is that when we hit the uh, equinox this, this month, this year, it ends 2020 because it goes from mm-hmm. equinox to equinox, okay? Right. And by doing that, we are no longer in a Capricornian time frame. We have moved into Aquarius.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We are in the, because of the way, I guess, Saturn and Uranus have played each other off last year with being, you know, conjunct Capricorn H, you know, that kind of stuff. So anyway, I'm looking at it going, well, Aquarius is, you know, large. It's not just communication like Hermes and Mercury, but it is large. It's, you know, communication in large groups, large groups, and you know, um, community and all the other things that go with it. It's an air sign, so I'm thinking
0: mm-hmm. well, maybe
2: these are things that are that are a bigger level of what we would normally give. You know, that Mercury handles, but is part of what you need to do to reset for this new time frame. So i right. kind of that as a positive spin on all the stuff because it's enough that we have to you know be bombarded by all the things that are out there that have you know been um gloom and and negative and you know really presenting us with you know uh, a sense of like what's the what's the use kind of thing so i thought well this is probably the way i'm going to view it so that i feel better about whatever is happening because otherwise i'm you know gnashing my teeth and, you know, wanting to go outside and, and, you know, find a cat to, you know, growl at, you know, and do some (laughs) kind of primal thing. I don't know, you know, that kind of stuff. So anyway, so that's what my week and and whole thing has been so um, interesting. And, you know, I'm just basically um, packing and finding things. I have to say I finally packed. <clears throat> all but an eighth of my books, and that's because I right. ran out of
1: boxes. Right.
2: <laughs> and what I found in my books, it was like rediscovering things. And I found some stuff that I sent to my daughter. Um, my husband, my deceased husband, was <sighs> there was a sideline of his I never knew until the end of you know until after he passed actively didn't know about um but he had a book called bud bud and it's not about a guy um so and i had you know in going over his books and you know getting the most of them to his son and you know picking out a few for myself and then asking if anybody else wanted i kept that one just for the sake that it kind of reminded me of the alternate part of my husband you know existence and so I decided I would send it to my daughter and she was ecstatic over it not because she's going to grow because remember this is a book that is well over 15 years old so any Mm -hmm. of the things it's talking about strains or whatever it is is they've advanced so it's kind of like a medical book that you get that's a little like a period medical book so she was all excited she said oh mom that's great because you know that that's kind of where she, you know, the energies of my husband and and just who he was. He was a rebel. And so it's kind of trippy that I could do that. So I sent that off and then found how many different groups of books and interests that I have (laughs) pulled together in my life. That was the I mean, we're not talking about all the books because I gave away literally probably two huge bookcase fulls of books when yeah. I moved from where I was living to here. And so the only things I really kept were my metaphysical spiritual books. And so I was just like amazed. I was like, like, and it kind of reawakened some of my interests. I'm like, ah, so I've kept a few out that I'm going to keep. And when I leave the books that I have in these boxes are going to get put into storage, but there's going to be some that stay with me because it's awakens some real interesting little areas that I'm like like this would be awesome. So we'll see where that leads with how things go.
1: <laughs> but
2: um yeah, it, it see, definitely, it's just, yeah. The books
1: are a terrible rabbit hole because it doesn't matter if you're just reorganizing your books or moving house or clean even cleaning the bookshelves sometimes you're like, oh forgot about this book. Maybe I'll pull this one off the shelf and add this to my reading pile. Or, oh, I I forgot about this author. Maybe I should go look up if they've written any new books. And then it's just a terrible problem. (laughs) It it is. And I know that you know that.
2: And especially you have a store now that can in some way justify I know because I used to do that when I had my store. It justified a whole mess of stuff, which in some ways is good because it works. For retail, but you have to be careful. Like you say, the rabbit hole can get down pretty deep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the problem lately is, I'm like, oh, I'm curious about this book. I'll order an extra copy for myself,
2: huh? <laughs> yeah, there you go. That yeah. that was that was my uh, yeah yeah uh huh. And it's it's good yeah. in one way because you know it, it does present you with different things, but it kind of goes, well, I have to have time and I need to be able to, you know, get into it, and it could sit there for a decade for all you know and then be rediscovered.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: But, yeah, so, but there we are. That's, you know, the the items of, you know, things that, that go and, and change and, you know, it's just like, wow. So where do we want to go? Want to start right now with Ask Our Witch segment now? yeah. Hey. Yeah,
1: so as Elvira already mentioned, it's our Ask a Witch segment, so we're answering the questions that you've sent in. Congratulations. So this we do this segment, you know, every other month or so, so there's always a chance if your question doesn't get answered today or if you're listening and you're like, I want to send in a question, you can. Just go to our website, witchpriestesscauldron.com. And there's a little questionnaire to fill out with your name and what your question is, and we will try to get to it on our next episode. So there's always a chance. Don't don't think you missed out. We will do it again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: always, always.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
2: okay, so we have one that's a pretty, you know, it's got different segments in it. So I guess um, I will let you start with this one. I think that, you know, mostly because... I will jump in, but there are a lot of questions to go with this side, and
1: I thought, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll just start at the top and work our way through. Sometimes we will, like, pick our favorite questions or put them in a specific order, but we'll just go in order of received. <laughs> um, so the first question, and I, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name. It's perhaps Miha or Neha, something like that, maybe? Um, the question is, how do I know if a relationship is meant to be? What if he's in a relationship currently? I feel a strong connection with this person, and my mind is refusing to let him go. I feel a safe and calm energy when I think of him. It's been one year, and I still cannot stop thinking about him. What should I do? How do I let go, or how do I make him think about me?
0: So there is a lot to
1: unpack here, like Elvira said. And, And some of this, you know, if you were either of our clients, I'm just going to speak for Elvira for a second, there are questions that we would ask, you know, have you ever been in a relationship? Do you actually know this person? Or, you know, is this the bad boy at the grocery store and every time you see him, you, your heart goes a flutter, and you can't stop thinking about him? Is this someone that you actually have access to and not like Brad Pitt, right? Like, you know? Brad Pitt is always my go-to example. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Um, So these are important things to know, right? Like if you were in a relationship previously, then, yeah, there's something that can be worked with. That Like a, a previous relationship makes it easier to do love magic or reconciliation magic. If there's been no relationship and you don't even know this guy, you don't even know his name, we're talking a lot harder, right? So it really depends like the pendulum kind of swings like previous romantic partner to complete stranger, don't even know their name. Like we you know, that's the pendulum swing. So from one end, there's real possibility on the other end, it's a long shot, right? I think the real important question that is asked here is how do I let go Or make him think about me. So, you know, I would suggest, as always, to get a reading and see, is this worth putting your energy into? But it's really good. This is a really good question. How do you let him go? Like, that might just be what it is. If this is someone you're pining over and have been for a year and nothing has shifted, a year is a long time to spend on someone you're not getting anything back from. So I would start looking at, you know, cutting, cut and clear spell work, cutting cords, doing healing baths for yourself to get like literally wash that boy right out of your hair, get that off of you and shift your energy. But, you know, it depends on where we are in that pendulum. Is this a former boyfriend or is this someone you don't know? Right. So it's tricky. It's a tricky question because there's so many variables. Right. What would you add in there?
2: Well, um, what caught my mind is what if he's in a a relationship currently? Obviously, that's one that we also deal with a lot is, you know, whether or not it's a physical thing that has actually been taken, you know, the, the relationship between the client and the person they're asking about has happened or it's just that they met each other and they've had these great conversations and, you know, longing eyes and touch or, you know, variations. Um, if there's another individual this person is with, then that also makes it kind of one of those, there's a, there's a, uh, an issue. So the, the primary one I think comes back to how much involvement have you really had with this person in a relationship of whatever nature. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the second one would be the current relationship because, Here's the thing: you want him to think of you know the other half of the question. How do I let go, or how do I make him think about me? Well, if he's not in a relationship and he's out playing the field, it's probably a lot easier to get him to think about you. Number
1: one, right. if he's
2: in a relationship, it is difficult because he's focused. He's focused on whatever the relationship is, even if it's a troubled relationship, he's still focused on it. So I sense that. Without getting killers of that nature to know these, these, these pertinent questions that we as readers would ask, it makes it a little bit of a kind of well, here we are. So I, since she gave you how to let go, the the other part is is that to get him to you know think about you, um, there are ways to do that, and mm-hmm. you know something where you know you know we call. They're called skull candles. I have at times given somebody the ability to just say, look, go ahead and use a candle, put his name on it, you know, birthday, you know, some love oil, stuff like that, and then talk to it while it's burning because in a skull candle, you do the same thing. You load it with herbs, you do a whole spell, and then you talk to it. And as it burns, it, you know, you're talking to the, the the aspect of the etheric part of him and, you know, kind of sending him messages. And, of course, times like that or, you know, dream time, night time, when things are less um, intrusive, you know, his world is quieter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, come to me and all these different, you know, spell works, honey jars and sugar jars and sugar bowls and all are part of the way to get the energy moving towards him but it really can, it really goes back to what is the original relationship before you know like you got together it was a it was for him it was a fling, for you it was like love forever and ever and he went back you know he you know continued with his current relationship that kind of a thing it really becomes the problem on how you you know you're going to do your magic and of course when you get a reading it's you know, there's a – as we say, we have questions. We ask them. It's like taking down at a doctor. You know, you write down on the paper. They always give you papers, to, you know, to fill out, including when you go back if you've been with them for a while, like, what's changed and da 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 So mm-hmm. that's important because nobody can give you an exact answer unless there are right. certain questions. So I kind of – I agree with uh, Phoenix on, you know, really knowing about – the situation, but I also noticed that that second question, you know, it may be that this person energetically is, you know, I'm going to use some other terms, is a soulmate, but not in the sense of a soulmate-like love in forever. It comes from a soul group and you feel simpatico with them because their energy is of a similar nature and thus that, you know, kind of came down in two bodies and there you are. Um, that is a very common uh, uh, occurrence, and they come in, in in different forms. It doesn't always have to be, you know, it can be a sister, it can be a cousin, it can be, you know, a boss, it can be, uh, uh, you know, whatever. It's, you feel that, that comfort, and I think that that strikes me right now as, you know, the, the basis of whatever else may or may not have happened in the physical plane to that, because of, you know, it's, you know, I think about him and I feel safe and calm energy and, you know, that kind of process. I have that sense, but that, again, is without any other further information.
1: Mm-hmm. That's my hit on it. Yeah. Sounds good to me. <laughs> okay.
2: Well, I mean, as far as, this, this is, this is a question that we get, from a client, I mean, I love it, but it's it, it's there's a place where we can't ask any more questions in response to what this person is bringing forward, so it's kind of hard to yeah. uh, kind of do that. but yeah um, first step, if you really want to know, is find a good reader and get, get some advice on you know with the information that they will ask you on what to do. right That would be our, our direction. Um, Yep. Next one. I like this one. Amy, do you have a favorite tarot card?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question.
2: Yes, I do. Um, It's funny. I have a favorite card, and it's the temperance card.
1: Mm. But it's because
2: to me it's the alchemical card. And, you know, everybody talks about different angels that it is and what it represents because in the weight rider deck – Rider Waite deck. Um, it's always an angel with a foot on the land and a foot on the water, and you know, two uh, cups going from side to side. And when we did our um, Major Arcana uh, sequence, we talked about this. But I like it because it, it's um, it means there's transformation that can happen, and it comes yeah. from a higher level more than anything else. I just I I resonate with that because. Quite frankly, looking at what I have now fallen into into a uh, life path and what you call career is working with people on helping them transform
1: mm-hmm. and go
2: through transitions. So it, it it's like my calling card, I guess. So that's my favorite. <laughs> call. What's yours?
1: Well, I I can't really answer this question because I can't narrow it down to one. Um like I have favorite cards for different reasons and circumstances. Like I love the star card. It's one of my favorites. It's just it personifies beauty and hope and healing and so I find it it's very uplifting for me. I I, I really love that card. Um but my favorite card, so like my favorite card from like a joyous, this is beautiful, this makes me feel good, is um, the star. A close mm-hmm. runner up is strength. I just really love the energy of that card. It's like uh, when I was really young and first learning the tarot, the strength card felt like a very feminist card because it's a woman with her, you know, with a lion. It just felt very feminist to me. So that's got, had a soft spot because early on in my training, that card appealed to me. But Mm -hmm. I think I've already started this sentence a couple of times. My actual favorite card is the eight of swords. And the reason I know, right? The reason the eight of swords is my favorite card is because when it comes up in a reading, I'm always like, aha, I know exactly what's going on. For me, this card is the ultimate in Being your worst enemy, being your own um, jailer, being the one who's keeping you stuck. And so when this card comes up, I'm always like, oh, you're the problem. Like, you're the one that needs to, like, release your bounds. You're no longer tied. That's all an illusion. Let go. Take off the blindfold. Skip through the field. You're free. You're free. Like, I just love... The hidden message of this card is right now you're all tied up, and guess what? you're not actually- let go. Stop letting yourself be trapped, so that's why I love the Eight of Swords because it's like I don't know it's just it's such a strong message that it doesn't have to be the way it is. You are keeping yourself stuck in stupid patterns <laughs> maybe that's something it says something about me, I guess, but I really like it but see
2: when we when you learn cards when you learn the cards you know that the major arcana are the major life lessons or the big book or whatever they you know they want to describe it as and then of course the minor arcana is the, the quote mundane world but when you're dealing with when you're dealing as a reader it's important to realize that we're talking of, realistically we're talking to two parts of that person whoever is asking us the questions and so to have that card be an indicator and be something you really, it's like it's the, um, the signal that you, you finally get the signal in terms of where they're at, that's very appropriate for the, the, what we use cards for is, you know, yeah. to help people come with answers that sometimes they don't want to hear the answer. And, you know, other wow. times they're all ecstatic because what comes out is really meaningful. And so that's a, I like, that's very interesting because, you know, I never look at that card as a um, an evil card. Of course, if you're going to get right down to it, if I look at those cards, <laughs> the one I like in terms of mundane is the Ten of
1: mm-hmm. Swords. Because mm, that's in the Ten of
2: Swords, yeah, the Ten of Swords, <laughs> Is you know yes this person is stabbed in the back and poor guy is like better than a doornail, um, mm-hmm. but then there's this this sun coming up the you know the sunrise and invariably there is uh, you know there in the decks I have used there's this little um, owl sitting on a branch kind of like the wisdom gained from what has. whatever is going on and it's you know a lot of times it's mind stuff that has happened but um you can rise again you can you Mm -hmm. can rebirth yourself you can rebirth the mindset you can you know find a way because the wisdom is what you've acquired it's just you have to now put it into practice so i guess maybe the two of us have these little things that are our signals and we really like them because they help what we need to do for our whatever client. So, you know, there you go. I think that's, that's you brought it up, and I'm like going, what minor Arcana card do I like? <laughs> and, where is it
1: that,
2: you know, and, and then immediately that, that, that whole thing, you know, comes up, and I'm going, boy, both of us are into the, you know, the sword, and the, you know, cutting through the bullshit, and all the things that come up with the that kind of energy. So, yeah. I got a little yeah. more than I think she, you know she might have expected. <laughs> when I'm asking the question. So, do we want to do a uh, a commercial break since you know we're kind of at halfway? Yeah,
1: let's get that out of the way. We'll take a yeah, quick so little we... break, and we'll be back with more of your questions. Yes.
0: Magic is coming your way right after these messages. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4:30, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5-6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Lefay, Fridays 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 7 to 8. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Here we are.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right. So you're going to have background noise here in a moment. I apologize, but I'm home alone right now, and the little dog needs to go outside. So I'm go
2: on ah that's okay. go
1: outside. There we go. <laughs> <Now> she...
0: <laughs> She's standing well, there looking. Right. I
1: think we we have a weird mat, like a we have like a, a welcome mat right outside the back door. And I, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's like a thick welcome mat, so it's a little bit pokey. And I think she doesn't like it. I think it hurts her feet. So I'm gonna. I think I have to move it. But you know, she's so little. She's a chihuahua. So when she needs to go outside, she always like. It seems like she's bracing herself to jump off of the steps. So I, I have to move yeah. that mat. <laughs> Anyway, that has nothing yeah. to do with our show today. <laughs> it's just it's it
2: well, think of it metaphorically. Something is, is spiky in front of you
1: and you, you're yeah.
2: just talking about swords.
1: Yeah, exactly. Be careful. You know, careful when you jump. So
2: um, okay. Uh I am going to go I'm actually going out of out of um order here because i think this one is really one that you would be better i i just have this feeling um okay paul is asking i've heard that gardener in wicca isn't friendly to queer or trans people is that true Mm.
1: i turn this over to Tina. yeah so this is a misconception what i will say is Initially, when Gardnerian Witchcraft was created, it was you know somewhere between the 30s and the 50s. We don't really know when specifically, but in that 20-year time period, uh, there wasn't a lot of openness about queerness. It was still very something that was quiet and on the DL, and in some places it was illegal still to be open about even being gay. So you have to keep that in mind gardnerian also works um with with a binary a goddess and a god a high priest and a high priestess traditionally that's how it started that's the roots of it and you work in a working pair so typically a high priest and a high priestess run a coven together um, and within the coven there are often working pairs that are men and women however that's old school traditional. Gardnerian as a tradition, Gardnerian Wicca, has evolved because now we recognize the binary doesn't work. In fact, there is a a term, we've used it on the show a couple of times, but I don't know we've ever been explicit about it, but there's a new term priestex instead of priest or priestess. So there's another option. If you want to be called priestess or priest, of course, that's great. Neither of those terms fit who you are. The term priestess is there as another option. Um, there is a lot of conversation within Gardnerian circles about breaking the binary and having um, folks of all genders step in as the priest or the priestess or the priestess and change roles and do things differently. There are working covens that have um, only female members. There are working covens that are all queer. There are all kinds of flavors of Gardnerian now. So what I will say is, will you find closed-minded, transphobic, bigoted Gardnerian Wicca circles out there? Yes, unfortunately, that you will. But that is true of any group. For the most part, my experience has been, and there's a lot of, like, Secret Gardnerian groups, like on social media, where you can't get in unless you can prove your lineage and prove you're initiated. And what I have seen overwhelmingly in those groups is that is the binary is no longer the way that most groups function. Um, inclusivity is important, and making Gardnerian accessible to the whole range of gender and gender expressions is where the tradition has moved and is continuing to move towards so there may be a rumor out there that, that, that Gardenarian Wicca is not a place for trans folks or queer folks in general and I would say that that is not my experience that is not true Um, And that is a very, very slim minority of groups that are bigoted. And those groups can go and suck an egg. Like, they don't belong in Gardnerian and Wicca, as far as I'm concerned. We're an inclusive community. So that's what I
2: say about that. (laughs) And and you speak, and I will say this. When I started and when I was doing groups and the different things that were out there, um, it was still explored. It was, um, most of what my groups were, were um, women, mostly because, you know, that was a time of more feminist, more empowerment. But within those groups, there were, you know, um, women, uh, lesbians and all. So it never really was only just heterosexual women. But in truth, it was, they were identifying with their female side Mm -hmm. and we never, you know, so I guess in a way when I started getting more out there in terms of other groups, I didn't go into the bigger groups because of various things, not because I didn't want to. I just, you know, it's funny. I will probably be saying this now on air for perpetuity. um, I have always loved gatherings, but as I have gotten, when I say older, um, I have wanted less of the, the the big things. Like I know Pantheacon, um, and I did go a few times, but I never gloried in it or went in it with the joy. I did, you know, certain things when I had my store, um, and of course there were certain uh, gatherings that were part of it. But I have become less involved including COVID, okay? We, we have to take that into account now. But um, right, I, I, I stopped that kind of externalization so much, and I suspect it's because I have found that I've been so involved with what I've been doing that the energies get distractive to me when there's so many things going on, you know, get out there. But that's why I turn this over to you, because you are more out there. You have been more out there. And in a group of of uh, pagan groups and gatherings that have evolved to this other mm-hmm. level, that would yeah. be better for you to answer that than me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, know, and I think as I think my experience has been, and maybe this is just the traditions, like the reclaiming tradition is very on the forefront of social change. That's kind of like what the whole tradition is about. But what I will say is people who, I'm speaking in generalities here, so just deal with that. But for the most part, people who seek out paganism and witchcraft are already sort of on the fringes. Like we're already kind of the weirdos. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so we're, it's not unusual for us to connect with other fringe groups, and I'm not saying that queer people or trans people are fringe groups, but they're not in the ma- the majority, right? And so right. it's not unusual. Like there's also the whole like um, poly movement of having multiple partners. There's this whole BDSM uh, uh, movement of people exploring their erotic side of of p- pain and play and pleasure. And I find a lot of overlap between the queer community and the BDSM community and the poly community and witchcraft and paganism. If you you had a Venn diagram, there is a huge overlap in these communities. So I think, again, speaking in generalities, we are more open-minded and accepting and welcoming because we understand your life is yours and the way you choose to walk it, as long as you're causing no harm to others, is the way you choose to walk it. We tend to not be judgmental about things like that. So, you know, I think that as culture shifts and changes, paganism and witchcraft tends to be at the beginnings of those shifts and changes because we're seeing it in our communities first.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We're kind of like the barometer of it. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so that that's, you know, it, it's amazing that when – In just a short time, you know, because, you know, obviously things were going on in the the 30s and and the 40s and probably the 20s, you know, theosophical and, you know, so there was a lot of first mind and and the mind and spirit and, you know, that kind of thing. And then it kind of went into more of the visceral aspects and then in their own way, they were rebels, you know, Mm -hmm. to the mores of the time where you have a man and a woman doing these rituals, and, of course, there was always, and, again, we talk about this and have in in different uh, shows, where there was sex, you know, the the, the great light, okay, and And uh, nakedness, yes, and these were things that were, like, and then you get into, you know, the, the 60s and, you know, late 50s, early 60s, and it's the drugs, you know, psychedelics or, or marijuana or how, ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Not that these things, were, well, ayahuasca has been around for a long time and so is marijuana, but the point is that they were part of what became introduced because right. that was what was coming in. And then within the entire community there is the, the uh, LGBT community you, I think now we have it, I'm kind of like, again, yeah. I'm a little behind times in some of this, but I'm trying to keep up, uh, is that you've got all these different aspects that are coming in, and those are part of what, you know, flows in. So, that yes, you will have the traditionalist, come on, mm-hmm. to the concepts of Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism, mm-hmm. Islamic. Buddhism, Buddhism is pretty you know, loose, but, you know, Taoism, all of these traditions that have become structured institutions have right. also their, you know, breakoffs. I mean, gosh, when Luther went out of where they were at, it was like heresy, you know I mean? There was all these things. And so I look at this as, this is part of growth and, you know, we also go to, you know, what feels good and safe. So if you want to be more in a mm-hmm. structure of just the old-fashioned gardenerian, great. But I get it, I get more annoyed. I think I had this conversation actually with a friend of mine. When people get into something someone did, they make it the, the, the God, there is no way but this Bible, this book, this philosophy, and everything else is, you know, wrong. And it started, you know, I mean, I said it because I was talking about um, a psychiatrist Well, he was an MD, but he started a movement of psychiatry, and his name was Wilhelm Reich and Orgonomy, and, he, you know, the books that became the ones he wrote were ones that were leading edge and he basically wanted every he made a point of always saying take this and begin process work on it take it from where i brought it you know but then a group of people decided they wanted to make it the gospel of ergonomy, and there's nothing more to it and that's it and anything out of that is wrong and mm-hmm. i mean i think that's the same here with Gardnerian or any tradition that starts and gets you know movement going but right you know kinda have to be willing. We are fringy. We are we are the, the the beginning and the leading edge. So of course things are gonna come in and sometimes they're not gonna feel good. Okay?
1: So mm-hmm.
2: yes. Yeah. That was a yep. yeah. Okay. Sylvia Sylvia says I'm interested in plant magic. How do I work with plants as a witch? There are some things I will be very conscious of saying I am not a, um, a plant witch. I love mm-hmm. plants, but I am not an, an herbal-based uh, witch as far as that is concerned. I do know and have, because it's life force energy, I will commune with the plant mm-hmm. or with what I am trying to do with the herbs that are there. And because we have wonderful... Um, reference books. I will use those. My sense here to say, how do you work with plants? Is you connect with them on a spirit level, because everything has a. I think this is kind of interesting. It everything has a spirit, and right. especially light, you know things that grow and have that, and so communing with them and you know connecting. It, it could be sitting with them. It could be visualizing them and doing that, you know, things of that nature, and start to understand their energy and their the feeling, and then have your reference books to also be there to, you know, have the the knowledge that others who are years down the road or done things of this nature also have. That's how I would do it. What would
1: you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's all of that for sure. And then I I would encourage you to take an an herbalism course. Uh, There's lots of different schools out there that you can do either in person or online um, and learn a lot like learning about herbalism like you can do plant magic and, and, and witchcraft without learning herbalism, but there is a lot of crossover between what herbs are used for for health and well-being and healing and their magical properties. Like they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a really good place to start is signing up for or taking some herbalism classes. Just like Elvira said, like plants have an energy, so start learning the energies of plants. Just go into your local environment and start vibing out the plants in your yard or in your neighborhood or in the local parks, like have conversations with them energetically sit with them and see how it feels, do research about them. Um, There's like so many ways that you can go with this. And then it's like, are you interested in doing plant magic? So like using herbs in your witchcraft or learning about herbalism, or are you thinking like more like, you're like a green witch. And so you want to do things with nature and with um, plant life and with earth magic and all that stuff. So it's kind of like a huge potential of possibility. I think it's important to start where you are. So explore your own environment, learn about the plants that grow where you're from. Um, You know, I'm all about, it's of place and local magic and, and working with the land that you live on. And that's a great way to do it. Pretty much everywhere in the United States has regional parks and regional parks will often offer classes like getting to know your environment classes, or they'll lead like nature walks where they'll teach you about the flora and fauna of where you live. Um, and sometimes you can even luck into like a native studies uh, class or workshop or whatever, where you can learn about the indigenous people where you live and how they had relationship with certain plants in the land. It's all really fascinating. It's not necessarily witchcraft or a specific direction on plant magic, but all of that information can really start to fuel how you might want to work with plants as a witch. So I would start with a more mundane study and see how that influences your magic and your desire to do witchcraft with it.
2: That's very good. I like that. I like
1: that. And it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: true. That is so true. It's kind of, you know, I have a, when I got the place I had, the woman had a shitload of succulents she left, which I understand where, what was happening and where they were going, and cactus in pots. And there's a huge holly bush at the center of the front of my property. In you know, we don't have a large front area, but the center. And I sat there with this and I looked and I kind of started communing with the holly bush first. And it was kind of like, and I think one year it actually, just recently, it just gave me berries. I was like, up until now, and that's 15 years, it hadn't. But it wanted to be right where it was at because it was a sentinel protection. And then the, the, the cactus said, we need to be at the four corners of your house outside. And so I kind of did that. And the succulent kind of hung out on, on my back uh, porch area. And I was just like, they told me where they wanted to be because I looked at them and going, what am I going to do with you? I don't normally, you know, I don't. I'm not a cactus person. I'm not a succulent person. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a succulent plant person. I think I should put it that way. Um, and then, of course, the holly bush. But and then I found out that I had pyracanthus, which is called fire thorn. And they're, you know, because they've got thorns on them. Believe me. And they wanted to be in certain ways. And so I went, boy, you guys definitely are putting, you know, like major sentinels for my uh, my property. So. Be with your plants and open to what they say. That's really the mm-hmm. first step. And then take on, as Phoenix said, classes and things that draw you to it in all very manner of of uh, possibilities because it's like being a sponge. Suck it all up.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: Yep. So we have one question more we can do.
1: Yeah. I'm going to let you think read perfect. it.
2: And I think it
1: is perfect. So, So this comes from Graziella, and she says, I am afraid of manifesting the opposite of my spell. Like, what if I make my fears come to be rather than my spell? How do I prevent that from happening? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. Yes. A couple of good questions. The very first thing that comes into my mind is if you're that fearful, you're going to attract your fear. So, like, this is kind of a shitty answer, um, but it sounds to me like you needed to do a little bit of self work and maybe some shadow work and look at the thing that you're trying to manifest. Why are you um, afraid of manifesting the opposite thing? Like, there's there's too much emotion in the working, um, mm-hmm. and if you're too focused on failure, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, right? So. There's some work here to do to shift your mindset before even stepping into the spell work. It might even be a situation where you need to enlist the help of another witch or a professional or someone else to help walk you through it or do the working for you if you're so afraid of fucking it up. You know, like we can be our own worst enemies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would you say?
2: Well, um, yeah, I, you know, I tend to, what I usually, when people are are kind of getting that vibe of, of like, fear and, and things like that, the first thing I tell them is, you know, you need to clear it out, clear and cleanse yourself, do, you know, the cut and clear kind of things to clear out any of the fear that, you know, and then what you do is then you protect, you know, you, you bring in, um, stones that you would put with you and put in the in the spell work to do protection and work with deities or, you know, beings that are protection. And like anything, when we do it in our home or we do it in a place, we definitely work with our already existing protection to to do mm-hmm. that. But the very first thing here is, is the fear factor. And as you yeah. said, you know, you put that much energy in, your that much concern and energy, then you're going to make that happen because it's overriding. And um, I know we all, there are different times that we're trying to do something and we have that concern and we need to examine where it's coming from. Do we feel we don't deserve it? Do we feel that mm-hmm. what it is we're doing is so, you know, if it's a darker magic that we have, tr- you know, our our belief systems we grew up with are indoctrinated in us. And so, of course, that brings in another level. And mm-hmm. I think that observing that and then saying, just as Phoenix said, you might turn this, might turn the particular thing you're trying to do over to a worker or helper and then have them work with you on how to protect yourself so that you also don't add that energy even through the etheric lines to the work they're doing. So, yeah. I mean, because every one of us as workers know that we can, the energy we're connecting with is the desire the person wants. We are not the ones saying, oh, I want to do this. We're saying we will will take on this this thing, but if you're – so there's a certain amount of connection to the individual we're doing the work for. So the individual needs to be um, clear and grounded, and so thus there is a point here where self-worth, you know, do I deserve this? You know, meaning if it's Mm -hmm. something you really want, but you're afraid that you're not going to get it. Do I really deserve it? You know, some of these other things need to be worked on as well. So that's where I come from.
1: Absolutely. You know, one of the tenets of witchcraft, in my humble opinion, is to know thyself and understand your inner working and what makes you tick and what makes you frustrated and how and why and where you have uh, trauma and baggage and start to deal with that stuff. The more you heal and deal with your shit, the stronger your witchcraft will be, the easier your spells will manifest, the smoother the road is. So it is worth it to do. It's hard. It's not easy. But it is worth it. It makes everything else smoother. And, it does. you know, it also doesn't mean that you're not going to have any more trouble or trauma or challenge. It just means you'll be better equipped to handle it when it does happen, you know, because that's life. Like, life happens, you know. So, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all, you know. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's it. That's the that's the reality of it, and we we kind of need to you know take it in hand and and continue. So basically, I think we've we've come to the closing of our our time frame almost.
1: Mhm. Yep. So. Yep, um, we're right at the end of time. So you know, thanks for sending your questions and. If you have a question, again, go to our website, com and fill out that little question, and we'll try to get to yours on the next Ask a Witch.
2: And if we didn't get to it this time, please resend it so we can have yeah. it as a fresh line of questions that we try Absolutely.
1: to go through. Okay.
2: Yeah. Well, next, next week we are basically doing our Equinox broadcast, so mm-hmm. it will be um, a... A uh, re- uh, rerun of our, what is constantly now our, how do we want to put it, our stable of
1: mm-hmm. uh, Sabbath, uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: radio shows. So, yeah. uh, and tomorrow is the uh, the the um, new moon, dark moon, mm-hmm. new
1: moon,
2: and it is a good time to start working on a resolution of what you would like for the new year because it's the last moon, the before the last new moon, before the equinox. So it is a very good time um, to, like we do, and, uh, a resolution, something we really want to do, we want to start, and then start working with it possibly in dream time.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's a very ne- Neptunian moment, so take advantage of that. Definitely. Yeah. And on that for listening. Um,
2: thank you for listening and we will see you back alive in uh two weeks. Yep. All right. Have bye. a good night. Bye. bye.
0: On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Guion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be.